Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Why don't you lift your hands and just sing that to him this morning? Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. How many believe he's worthy this morning? Let's glorify the name of the Lord together today. He's a worthy God. If you have your Bibles would turn with me this morning to the book of Exodus chapter 16. Give honor to our bishop this morning, our pastor. I know he is not here, but he's still pastor. Whether he's in this building or not, love and appreciate both of them. Give honor to our youth pastor this morning. Appreciate him. Honor my wife today. There is a sweet presence of the Holy Ghost that just swept into this house this morning. Bishop, when I stand before him, I don't want to be found one. Let's read. I know you're standing this morning, but I feel I feel something in my spirit right now. I don't I don't I don't pretend to know what needs are represented in this house this morning, but I can tell you this. We serve the waymaker. We serve the problem solver. I believe God's going to serve serve up some solutions for someone today. Exodus chapter 16 and verse number 15. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna. For they wist not what it was. Moses said unto them, This is 
the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, gather of it every man according to his eating, an omer for every man according to the number of your persons, take ye every man for them which are in his tents. My assignment today is not to feed the 5,000. I want to I just manage expectations right now. My assignment's not to feed the 5,000. That's his job. My assignment today is just to bring him the bread and the fish. Let's, let's lift our hands right now and ask the Holy Ghost to minister to us together. Jesus. God, you know the thought of every need. I ask you, God, to center every mind and imagination around you today, around your word. Cast down every imagination and anything that is unclean and unlike you today. Release your spirit in this house this morning. Do a work today, God, that only you can do. No man should glory in your presence. We give you praise and glory for it today and honor. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And the church said amen. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. That is a courtesy, not a command. I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments on this subject today. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? I asked that in question form. An omer of manna, the measurement of an omer, was approximately 43 ounces of manna per person per day. Somebody say, that's a lot of bread. They gathered enough for the number of persons in their tent by families, but only enough for one day. They did this every day of the week for five days. And on the sixth day, they were commanded by God to gather two days' worth because there would be no distribution of manna from heaven on the Sabbath. And there would be no physical labor that God expected his people to do to gather the manna on the Sabbath. This supernatural phenomenon occurred six days a week for 40 years. It did not stop until they crossed into the promised land of Canaan. When you think about when I think about, I'll, I'll say it this way, when I think about eating 43 ounces of bread every day for six days, for 40 years, my taste buds start to get just a little bland. But let's look at the taste and nutrition of what God supplied his people. Now, the Torah describes the taste as being similar to that of something that is fried in oil and honey. 
off to a pretty good start. The manna was adapted. Watch this now. This is what they say in the Jewish writings. The manna was adapted to the taste of each individual. To the adult, it tasted like the food of an adult. And while it tasted like breast milk for a baby. By wishing, one could taste in the manna whatever they desired. Whether it be beef or fruit or grain. Interestingly, the Israelites later complained to Moses that they missed the zucchini, the watermelon, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And if the manna could taste like anything in the world, why did they miss these specific vegetables? The Jewish writings of the Talmud explains that since those vegetables could be harmful to lactating women, God omitted them from the diet plan. That's what kind of a God we serve today. Another explanation was that while it could taste like those foods, it wouldn't take on their texture as it did with other foods. Being a heavenly food, the manna contained the nutritious matter only and was fully absorbed by the body. And they believed that after consuming this meal, they did not need to expel any waste products from the body. God's design. It would take a special appetite. Still yet. I like my ruts. I, I, I like my routines. I know some people don't like routine. God bless you too. But I, I like my routines. But even after a while, I want something different. The appetite is a natural desire to satisfy a bodily need. The factors that affect one's appetite are one's diet, mental health, depression, eating disorders, pregnancy, medication, infection, and disease. There are ways to increase your appetite. There are several of them, actually. I was quite astonished at this. But they can all be summarized down to this one very simple point. It requires that you actually eat. You can't think your way into a better appetite. The person who goes on and 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 does not eat they never get an appetite unless they actually start eating. It doesn't happen by accident. A person's appetite describes his or hers desires for whatever it is that they want. Watch this now. What they want to consume. Several years ago, there was an article published in the Ann Landers newspaper column, I know that there are people here today that don't know what that is, but for those of us that do, we can just smile and say amen. But it was titled, The New Stress Diet, written by a lady named Pamela Petler. The New Stress Diet looked something like this. Maybe you can, uh, maybe you can, you can, you can testify to this. I don't know. Breakfast, half a grapefruit, one slice whole wheat bread, eight ounces skim milk. Lunch, four ounces broiled chicken breast. 
one cup steamed zucchini, one Oreo cookie, one cup of herbal tea. Now, we're not off to too bad of a start. I'm not a dietitian today, but that, that don't sound like too bad of a menu. Uh, Oreo cookie might be a bit, uh, bit risky, but it's not too bad, right? Mid-afternoon snack. The rest of the package of Oreo cookies. One quart Rocky Road ice cream. One jar hot fudge. Dinner. Two loaves of garlic bread. A large pepperoni pizza. A pitcher of soda. Three candy bars and a frozen cheesecake. The whole cheesecake. Now, I don't know if this menu stresses me out or relieves stress. It might be a momentary relief. But if it's too good to be true, it is. Regrettably today, this stress diet mirrors a lot of spiritual appetites. We start off good. We have very good intentions. But about the time real hunger starts setting in, we fall off to whatever feels good and have a tendency to lean toward everything we don't need. The author of this stress diet continued in the article by stating these statements. If no one sees you eat it, it has no calories. That'd be nice. If you drink a diet soda with a candy bar, they will cancel each other out. Now, I've heard people say that before. It doesn't work. Calories don't count if you eat with someone and you both eat the same thing. Food taken for medicinal purposes does not count. If you fatten up everyone around you, you'll look thinner. Snacks consumed in a movie do not count as they are part of the entertainment. Pieces of cookies contain no calories. The process of breaking causes a calorie leakage. And late night snacks have no calories. The refrigerator is not strong enough for the light to see their way into the calorie counter. Sounds ridiculous, right? Sounds just as ridiculous as some of our excuses. <clears throat> Righteous living requires a commitment. You cannot be halfway saved. You can attend church, and I, I didn't come to be offensive today. You can attend church every service, or you can at least check in every Sunday. But the mere act of attendance, as important as I believe it is, that alone does not save you. You cannot be half human. Therefore, you cannot be half spiritual. You are either saved and redeemed by the blood of Calvary 
So how's your appetite today? Number one from this list, she said, if no one sees you eat it, it has no calories. I am afraid that some of us have fallen prey to the lie of the enemy today that if there are no witnesses, it's not wrong. Wrong is still wrong in 2023. We still serve a black and white God. We still serve a God that believes in, in, in what he wrote. Now, I know society's getting soft and we're getting all kinds of, uh, of dirty compromise and we're, we're too weak today to really state truth, but God's Word does not change. Number five from the list says, if you fatten up everyone around you, you look thinner. And I'm afraid that we fall and pray to the enemy's work today that if we just gossip about those around us and make them look worse than us, then I could go home and feel just a little bit better. We need an appetite today for godly things. We need an appetite today for godly things because God doesn't do easy. Now, I know the Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. That's not what I'm talking about. But let me tell you something. If we're honest with ourselves, God doesn't do easy. If you're looking for an easy path, this isn't it. Really? Well, then maybe I'm in the wrong church. Because I don't want to work that hard. You go live in the world, you'll still have to work that hard. You still won't have it easy if you walk away from God. Easy does not exist. There's a sacrifice that we have to make somewhere. We either make the sacrifice for righteous living or we make the sacrifice for sinful living. Easy is a mirage in the desert. It does not exist. And if you don't have the right appetite today, you'll coast along on appetizers for a while, enjoying what you feel in the presence of God, but eventually you're going to get hungry. You're going to need some nutrition. And if you haven't developed an appetite for godly things, you will gravitate to whatever feels good. God never does what's easy. He does what's divine. And divine often seems complicated to us. Why did God choose a barren woman to birth a prophet? Why did God choose a boy to kill Goliath? Why did God send a backslider to preach to Nineveh? Why did God use a century-old man to have Isaac? Why did God choose a virgin to birth Jesus? Why did, God, why did Jesus tell a man whose hand was withered, stretch forth your hand? He could have just healed him. But he required something from him. Who tells a blind man to go wash in a pool so he can see? And it's a pool he can't even see to get to. Who stands in front of a tomb and tells a dead man to get up? That's not easy. God's way can seem so complicated to us. And it can be frustrating to us. 
And if you don't have an appetite that allows you to accept the complicated, you'll miss out on the divine nature of God in your circumstances. I, I, I read a quote a man, a man said the other day. said, if we don't know the Bible, if we don't know doctrine, if we don't know theology, it's virtually impossible for us to identify false prophets. I often worry that in the apostolic church we are guilty of wanting to feel so much that we lose the head knowledge of God, what God wants to impart to us through His Word. We need to know the Word. I, I know that there I know there are places. I won't drop their name today. I'm not trying to be rude, but I know that there are places where that the man that stands behind the pulpit will tell people, don't worry about reading it for yourself, that's my job. I know those places exist. That don't happen here. We are constantly telling you, read your Bible. Pray. Develop a relationship with God. We are constantly trying to get you to do for yourself what you need to do for yourself. Because we recognize today if we don't have an appetite for godly things, we will default to believing that attendance to church on a Sunday and being a good person makes us a Christian. This is a trap of the enemy today. Yes, we need to be in the house of God. Yes, we need to be good people. Yes, we need to be Christ followers. But we'll never be any of the above until we fall in love with His Word and fall in love with an appetite for godly things in my life. I'm not looking to come to church on a Sunday morning at 1121 Cedar Street just to feel good. I'm not here today just to check in and make sure that you know I'm here so my attendance list has a check mark beside it. I'm not here today for any other reason than I love Jesus and I'm in love with his word today and I know come Monday morning I'm still going to love him. I know it's 2023. We cannot, we cannot afford to fall into this trap. Because if we fall into this trap, we will find ourselves transitioning to just attending church when it fits our schedule. We'll, fall, we'll find ourselves transitioning to where I'll, I'll pray when I need something because he's there. We'll, we'll find ourselves worshiping only when someone's watching us because I want to look good. I, I want to look like a Christian, so if somebody's watching, I'll worship. If not, I, it's optional. We'll defer to saying amen somewhat under our breath because we lack the fortitude to say it out loud. And we'll only do this when we agree with what's being said. You know, there's times I say amen because it's not what I agree with, but it's what I needed. We used to years ago say, say amen or oh me. 
if we defer in our walk with God to only serving Him when things are good, we'll never find Him when things are bad. And if we transition to these things in our walk with God, our next transition will be getting mad when church don't make me happy. Our next transition, because you see it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cause and effect. Our next transition will be to criticize when the church doesn't offer the right number of programs and pop culture niceties. Let me tell you something. If you're worried about the number of programs we have, we've got the three best programs you can ever ask for. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And if you can't be saved with those three programs, no clown face is going to save you. No march rally down, down Broadway Street is going to save you. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you can't be saved on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night and a Wednesday night connect group, nothing else is going to save you. I'm not against programs. I'm not against clowns and balloons. But that's not where my salvation is. And the next thing that will lead to us is a spirit of offense that will cause us to hear things that aren't being said. So I must keep my appetite in check. I've come today to sound an alarm. I'm not trying to be in your face on a Sunday morning this early. I get it. But I ask God for boldness to preach His Word today. And I've come to tell somebody today that when church attendance becomes negotiable, don't be surprised when God becomes negotiable. When you, when you prefer to default to watching online to, versus being in the house of God, you're starting to negotiate God out of your life. Let me say that differently. If you won't worship God at church, you sure won't worship Him at home. If you have to ask if church is necessary, you're already flirting with the wrong appetite. I, I read, I mentioned this in our Connect group Wednesday night, but I read one, uh, one of the pastors, a bishop in the Indiana district, had put up a post a few days or weeks ago and he said Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision if you wait till you get up on Sunday morning to see if you feel good enough to go to church or not you're not making the right decision and just for clarity I'm not referring to our elders there because that may very well be their season but I can guarantee you on a Saturday night they're already thinking about it If your children are asking you if church is necessary, you need an appetite check for your whole family because the salvation of your family is your responsibility. Some dad and some mom needs to hear this this morning. You are responsible for saving your children, not the church. 
David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I know it's not popular today, but I have to rehearse the words of Joshua. But as for me and my house, nah. do you know why my 24-year-old son married out of the house still serves God? It's because when he was at home, it wasn't an option. When he was home, we said we're going to church. Matter of fact, he knew the lifestyle so much we didn't even have to talk about it. We didn't have to talk about Saturday night whether or not we was going to church the next day because it wasn't optional. He told Moho We need to serve the Lord. We need to worship the Lord. We need to worship the Lord. We need to worship the Lord. I don't worship him with my, my attendance. My presence does not tell him I think he's good enough. My body language does. My words do. My actions do. My behavior do. Well, you didn't sing any songs I like this morning. That's all right. I sing songs sometimes I don't like, but I still worship him. My worship him. His worth is not predicated on which song we sing. His worth is not predicated on which style of music we play. His worth is not predicated on whether you like my tie or my socks. His worth is predicated on the fact that he's the God of the universe. And he said, there's no one beside me. He said, there's no one over here. There's no one. I am the only God. And if we'll fall in love with him and get an appetite for him, we will uphold our covenant relationship with God. Somebody say, whoo! God gave Israel manna for the day. Look at your neighbor this morning, smack him a high five and say, for the day. Now, if you just smacked them and didn't give them a high five, that's not what I told you to do. He gave them manna for the day. We need to learn to trust God's portion. Because he's giving me daily what I need. He's not giving me what I want. He's not giving me what I think I need. He's given me a portion for the day that is exactly what I need. Each day, God has a portion. You can't come collect your portion on Sunday and get a week's worth. Hear me now. You can't, it's, it's contrary to God's word. You can't get a week's worth of portion and walk away and be satiated every day and have your appetite full of God every day when all you did was collect once. Because when the Israelites collected more than a day's worth, what was good for them became cursed. Had breadworms and it stank, the Bible said. God will give you on a daily basis what you need, but you've got to collect it on a daily basis. 
If you'll start collecting his portion on a daily basis, when you get to Sunday morning, Sunday church won't feel quite as foreign to you. Because you see, what, what happens is, is we have to readjust our appetite every time we come to church. Because I, I ate off of God's portion last Sunday, but ever since, I've not had his portion. So now my taste buds aren't acclimated to what he's trying to feed me. So then we want to, that don't taste good. You, you, can't, you can't dine at Hobbs on a cheeseburger appetite. Or cheeseburger cost, for that matter. First time, first time I had a company meal at a really nice restaurant, I certainly couldn't afford it. I was glad the company was paying for it. Brother Malone, the first time I had a nice meal, and I'm not talking Ponderosa Buffet, the first time I had a nice meal, first time I ate at a Hobbs Steakhouse or a Ruth's Chris or some place like that that in my natural life I couldn't afford, first couple of bites, whew, they like this? They paid this much money for this? Because my appetite wasn't adjusted to that menu. You'll eat whatever you develop an appetite for. But if you're not eating off of God's portion through the week, you spend in the first half of Sunday service trying to redevelop your appetite. And by the time your appetite gets adjusted, we're ready to dismiss. You miss the menu. Well, why does he do it daily? Because he gives me a portion daily today that I might trust him for tomorrow. I've got to learn. We have to learn. You have to learn to walk by faith, not by sight. God's not going to give you portion every day of the week. Early. He's going to give it to you as a daily portion on a daily basis. He'll give you today what you need today so you can trust Him for tomorrow. If you aren't trusting Him for the journey and accepting His daily provision, it will affect your appetite. And Then when you don't get what you think you should get on a Sunday morning, you don't come back on a Sunday night. You've got to keep showing. You've got to keep eating. You may not always understand your situation, but keep showing up. You may not always like your circumstances, but keep showing up. You may not always feel like it, and I can guarantee you today with 100% confidence you're not always going to feel like it, but just keep showing up. There is power today in just not quitting. When you don't quit, you're telling God, I trust you. 
When you don't quit, you're telling your enemy that you have an appetite for the ways of God. And you're not moving until God moves with you. They didn't like Daniel. So they put him in a den of lions to shut him up. Daniel kept his appetite for God and the lions went on a fast. Moses approached the Red Sea with millions of Israelites behind him, Egypt close to their trail, backed into a corner against the water. But Moses, Moses had walked away from the appetite of Egypt to follow God. And when he thought it was just about over, God said, just lift your hand up over the water. Jesus was on the cross with those mocking him around saying he saved, his, he saved others but himself he can't save. But Jesus knew on the other side of sacrifice there was resurrection. He couldn't allow his appetite for earthly things to blur his vision of what was yet to come. Whatever you do today, just don't quit. We need an appetite check. We, we had this, this next statement I'm going to make. We had this material in our connect group this past Wednesday. And it spoke to me deeply. I'll put it in my own words, but basically the writer, the pastor of the book said, we'll sit for two hours plus and watch an NFL game. We'll watch a basketball game or a golf tournament or a movie. But if we start getting close to 11.30 on Sunday morning, we have to go to lunch. So we'll skip altar call and check out early. Sir or ma'am, you need an appetite check today. If your natural lunch is more important to you than what God could be stirring up in your spirit today, you need an appetite check. If we're more moved, and I'm not against NFL games, basketball games, golf tournaments, movies, I, I watch all of them. but not when it's house of God time. If we're not careful, we'll have an appetite problem. We'll still attend church. It'll still make us feel better. And we'll be lost. Because God did not call you to walk through plan of salvation and then just sit. That's not what his plan was. Watch what happened in the book of Acts after they received the Holy Ghost. They turned around and started prophesying. If that was to happen in our day today, I don't know what we I don't know if our brains could comprehend the, the power of God. I'm not trying to be rude, I'm not trying to be controversial, I'm not trying to upset anyone this morning, but I have come to boldly sound an alarm today in a question form, because I'm asking you, what are you hungry for today? Because what you're hungry for determines what you eat.
The book of John, chapter number 6, in verse 47, the Bible, Jesus speaking, says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is that bread which cometh down from heaven. He's referring to himself. That a man may eat thereof and not die. What we have here is not a contradiction, but a connection. In, in the wilderness, God sustained his people physically. And we have a spiritual application to that of how God is our daily provision. But then Jesus comes in to kind of close the deal and say, they had physical provision, but I'm here to give you an eternal provision. So how's your appetite? What are you hungry for today? Let me show you. Something I was, I, was, I was very astounded by and something I'd never read before, but in the Jewish writings about the, the manna in the wilderness, it defines, you know, I think there's a verse in the Bible that talks about God raining the bread down from heaven. And I've always, I've always thought that there was this loaf of bread just <laughs> raining down from heaven. And I'm not saying God couldn't do that or that he didn't provide you with an alternate perspective of how supernatural this really was. The Jewish writings define the, the reigning of manna from heaven as the manna being a white crystal. Just a, a little crystal. And I told you to take 43 ounces for an omer, so you can imagine scooping up those crystals, eating them by whatever means, I don't know. But the Bible says, and the Jewish writings state, that before the manna fell, that there was dew from heaven that came down. It was like a cleansing dew. It came down and it, and it cleaned everything up and, and made the preparation for what was about to happen. The manna falls. And then after the manna falls, another dew fell. So that the manna was preserved between a box of dew until they woke for the day. And when they got up for the day, breakfast was served. Now just imagine for me, with me for just a moment that you're in a tent somewhere out in the middle of the desert for 40 years. Some of y'all not even 40 years old. You're in the desert. You've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. God does this great and wonderful thing for you every morning. And it's still not good enough. And they still had the audacity to say, I want garlic and onions. 
reason why we need to keep our appetite in check is because if we don't understand what our appetite is for, then even God himself will never satisfy us. And we'll go through life constantly searching, constantly frustrated, constantly trying to find an easier route because God himself hasn't been able to feed me well enough yet. But if we can just keep our hunger for God. Stand with me if you would, please. Musicians can come. What are you hungry for today? I'll close with this statement this morning. What you focus on expands. What you ignore shrinks. Now there's an application to that that we can apply to our walk with God. Because if I focus if I focus on him, then he will expand in my life. But if I ignore him, if I ignore him, if I walk out of here today and I ignore him tonight, and I ignore him on Wednesdays, then next Sunday morning, it becomes just a little bit more optional because I've ignored him all week. I just don't understand why it's so hard to go to church because you're not, you're not flavoring him through the week. I told you at the onset of this message this morning that there's a way to get your appetite up. But it requires you to eat. Why don't we lift our hands and just ask God to help us right now. All over this house this morning, somebody, somebody talk to the Lord today. This altar is open this morning. I'm calling on someone today who, maybe your appetite's fine. That's, that's all right. This altar's not just for those that need an appetite check. Because the way that I keep my appetite in check is I keep a constant communication with Him. Getting in this altar every service is how we seal the deal. Seal your word in my heart, Lord. Hide your word in my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against you. God, take everything that I've heard today in your word. Take everything that you've spoken today in this altar today, God, and absorb it into my appetite. Help me to have an appetite and a hunger for you, God. I want to trust you today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.